Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, May 28th, in the year 2021. This is also Memorial Day weekend. Those of us fortunate enough to have jobs in this post-COVID world will get a three-day weekend. The Castle Report will talk about the world post-COVID, known here as the virus. What are the most prominent things happening in the world today? What has changed in the world post-virus? What have we gained? What have we lost? The Castle family is doing well this Memorial Day weekend despite the virus. We're looking forward to three days off work. Joan and I will pause to remember on Monday, as we usually do, we tend a ceremony at the local Veterans Cemetery to pay our respects to those who have fallen in service to the country, the family daughter, is doing well also with her husband out in California. She told me so by video just a couple of days ago. This Memorial Day report is a good chance to also pause and remember or at least review what has been happening in this country and in the world since the advent of the virus protocol some 15 months ago. Yes, that's right, folks. 15 months ago, we were told to just shelter in place for two weeks. Just give us two weeks, they said, to flatten the curve. Two weeks became 15 months and counting as the virus protocols have caused what will probably turn out to be irreparable damage to the American and world economies. The world is different now. I want to take a brief look at some of those differences. The most obvious difference that I see is the atmosphere of fear that seems to pervade the country. Fear seems to have subsided a little, however at least among those low-risk people who just needed an excuse not to be afraid. Here in the River City of Memphis, Tennessee, we are fortunate. We have been fortunate to have good leadership at both the state and local levels, so we were kept well-informed. Fear was kept at a minimum when the mayor sought to comply with federal and state guidelines. He did not simply order churches to close, as Gavin Newsom did in California. Instead, he gathered as many pastors as he could on a conference call, explain the situation to them, ask for their permission and their cooperation. I know of no harassment or threats against pastors here in this city as occurred in California. The situation in California became so bad, pastors were threatened with arrest, but some did not back down to the intimidation, and they sued the governor for what they alleged to be discrimination. In the way he determined what business was essential, what business was not essential. Just a few days ago, the court ruled in favor of the churches, ordered the governor to pay $1.35 million in attorney fees. Basically, the court said that a state cannot arbitrarily rule churches non-essential while ruling other more favored businesses essential. So many were upset with governor of California's heavy-handed tactics, which he demanded Ordinary people obey while he did not have to obey. A recall petition was circulated against him. The last count I saw had the signature totals at about three times the necessary number needed to put the measure on the ballot, so a recall election will be held pursuant to California law. California was not the only state to reject their governor's actions. Tom Wolf, governor of Pennsylvania, had his emergency powers taken from him and given, at least in part, to the legislature by a referendum vote of the people. The 
primary thing that came out of the lockdown protocols, as far as I'm concerned, is that they did more harm than good. Apparently, they did not stop the spread of the virus. The states that did not lock down, such as South Dakota and Florida, fared no worse, and in many cases better, than those who locked down for the entire year. Some states are still not fully open, despite CDC guidelines stating they can be fully open. The fear continues to inflict itself on those who internalize it. The mandates are finally being relaxed by state and federal authorities as more and more people believe the vaccines are effective. There are many competing opinions, even among doctors, regarding the effectiveness of the vaccines in preventing the virus. Some doctors even deny that what is being injected into the arms of the world are vaccines at all, if you use the classic definition of vaccine because they do not seem to convey immunity, as is required by the definition. Nevertheless, vast numbers of people around the world are being vaccinated. That's enough to make the politicians breathe a sigh of relief. Vaccinating the entire world roughly 8 billion people, has turned out to be quite a task, even for Bill Gates and the pharmaceutical companies he controls. Here in America, there are apparently much more vaccine doses than are needed, as the 50% who have not been vaccinated do not seem, do not intend to change that status. It's just not happening, not the way the media, the tech companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the politicians and other vaccine supporters envisioned that it would. The poor people of the world, I mean the really desperately poor, who have literally nothing. They're not buying all the propaganda either. Those people are expected to just line up and let the smart people stick the needles in their arms. But they are apparently running from them, running to hide in the mountains and in the desert from those who say they are there to help them. The Wall Street Journal, May 26th edition, tells us that the shipments of vaccines were not arriving to the poor countries as scheduled, although that explanation does not appear to hold water. I've seen video interviews with people from India, Africa, and other places. People are just not buying into the World Economic Forum's plan for this world. I had been hoping and praying that the poor of the world would someday grow tired of being used as guinea pigs in some billionaire's depopulation plans and rebel against it. Maybe this is it. May God make it so. The global plan obviously calls for vaccinating everyone on this earth, not just the adults. Since the risk for children is very close to zero, that plan makes little or no sense. An organization called America's Frontline Doctors and a collection of parents filed a lawsuit with a motion for a temporary restraining order in the Northern District of Alabama to prevent the vaccination of children, the forced vaccination, I should say, of children. I quote from the lawsuit, quote, every plaintiff with children or patients in the target age group stands to be immediately and irreparably harmed by the extension, end quote. The word extension means extending the demands that all vaccinated all people be vaccinated to children under age 16. I continue now with a quote from the Wall Street Journal, quote, we've never seen this level of side effects for any vaccine without the FDA taking action. Dr. Angelina Farella, pediatric medical director for America's Frontline Doctors, said in a statement, the rotavirus vaccine was pulled for 15 cases of non-lethal side effects. The swine flu vaccine was pulled for 25 deaths, but by the CDC's own data, we are now seeing a 12,000% increase in deaths with these vaccines.
They're still talking about giving these to our kids, end quote. Dr. Farella went on to say that children are at zero risk for COVID-19, but data shows that the survivability rate for COVID-19 patients under age 20 is 99.997%, according to the CDC's own medical and scientific data in the last four months, more than 4,000 deaths tied to COVID-19 vaccines were reported, as opposed to 1,500 deaths total in the previous 10 years for all vaccines combined. I will add to that statement on a, my own initiative that some of those deaths linked to the vaccine this time have been of Olympic athletes in other countries, in other words, the young, the healthy people. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, people are starting to look for answers. Answers about where this virus came from. We were told a year ago it came from bats in a Wuhan, China meat market. Anyone who challenged that view was canceled by Facebook, YouTube, and the other tech giants. Now, suddenly, even Tony Fauci is admitting that maybe, maybe I was wrong, Dr. Fauci says. Maybe I was wrong about the origins of the virus. Maybe the virus did escape or was released from a Chinese biowarfare lab. After all, Dr. Fauci in his statement failed to add that Wuhan is a lab that he personally funded and personally worked with. President Biden canceled the investigation begun under Donald Trump, which former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was leading. He canceled that investigation, but he ordered U.S. intelligence agencies to redouble their efforts to determine the cause of the virus. I'm sure those agencies will be remarkably successful in their investigation. Senator Rand Paul has been the leader of the movement in the Senate to stop funding the Chinese virus research labs and is apparently having some success, as his numerous death threats would indicate. Just speculating, folks. But I suspect that the origin of the virus is the last thing Washington wants us little people to know about. Our post-virus world includes more than just news about the virus. As anyone can see, a presidential election was held. The virus even affected that. Joe Biden is now president and is therefore running the virus protocols. In addition to attempts at vaccinating everyone on planet Earth, Mr. Biden's more modest goal was to vaccinate 70% of Americans by the 4th of July. I predict he will fail in that goal, fail by about 20%, but I know there are incentives coming to get vaccinated. I predict the payment system for getting the vaccine will soon be instituted. If you have not had the vaccine, there must be a reason. Would $1,000 make your fears of being vaccinated go away? California has set aside several million dollars for just such incentives. One other thing that has happened during the last 15 months is that crime, especially violent crime, has skyrocketed. Murder is off the charts due to the defund the police movement starting in reaction to the death of George Floyd. Defunding the police, of course, was the exact opposite of what should have been done in order to give people in our cities maximum protection. Often, people act against their own best interests. There is a lot of new blood being spilled on the streets of our cities. That's hard to explain any other way. In Chicago, for example, which is usually the gold standard of murder, so far this year, 1,400 people have been shot, 261 are dead. Just this month, with Memorial Day weekend still to go, 353 people shot and 62 dead in Chicago. This weekend should add another 10 to 15 bodies to that stack. 
I suppose I should say congratulations to the defund the police movement, especially to Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, who apparently signals virtue to Black Lives Matter while her city dies, literally. In Minneapolis, where Mr. Floyd died, a large memorial was built to honor and remember him. I have not seen it, but from pictures, it appears to be very large. On the anniversary of his death, many people gathered to celebrate the anniversary, and apparently many of them decided to celebrate Mr. Floyd's death by shooting each other. <coughs> In Portland, Antifa commemorated the anniversary of Mr. Floyd's death by rioting, by attacking police officers, vandalizing businesses, and burning down much of their city. There was no one with the authority or the courage to stop them, so why not? They tried to burn down the Justice Center as a reminder of last year when they tried to burn it down again, but Firefighters managed to extinguish the blaze before there was nothing left but ashes. Finally, folks, what is the greatest or most lamentable casualty of the virus? I suggest that it is the permanent presence of Big Brother in our lives. In other words, our freedom as Americans is at least partially gone to replace them. We have Big Brother. He's here for us, folks, perhaps permanently. At least that's the way I see it. Until next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.